Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, when will the Falcons find another 1,000-yard runner? Also, I've got a lineup change that's a pretty easy fix for the Braves. And trading for this guy, for the Hawks, seems like a no-brainer. I'll explain all of that and more. Busy Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We want you to head over to YouTube.com, subscribe to our channel, Locked On Sports Atlanta. We want to let you know that we are literally just a few people away, not even 10 folks away from 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. So in just barely a month, we've been able to hit 1,000 folks. We thank you so much for being a part of the community. It's awesome. It's ever-growing. Be a part of it. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. You know, I was looking at some numbers for the Atlanta Falcons, and obviously with a guy like Arthur Smith in place, you would figure that running the football would become more of a high priority, right? He comes from being the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. That's the only offensive coordinator spot that he had taken. In fact, you know, he really came up through the ranks with the Tennessee Titans. He had started out coaching just the line and did some other things and just moved his way up to being their offensive coordinator, and then, of course, got the gig here in Atlanta with the Falcons. Now, their offensive identity was pretty straightforward and cut and dry. It is, we have Derrick Henry, a 2,000-yard running back. We're going to feed him the rock. Yeah, we'll throw it some. We got A.J. Brown. We got Tannehill. You know, we got this. But our identity is... We're going to give it to Derrick Henry, and we're going to lean on him, and he's our 1,500, 2,000-yard running back. Got me to thinking about the Falcons, because running back has been just sort of a, a wasteland by and large. In the last 10 seasons, the Falcons have only had two 1,000-yard seasons. Now, that was Devontae Freeman in 2015 and 2016. So in the Super Bowl year, Devontae went for over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, and he did it the season before. When I say 1,000 yards, we're talking like 1,078, 1,056. We're not talking 14, 1,500. It wasn't like the glory days of Michael Turner. It was just a little bit less than even 1,100 yards in 16 games, but was a 1,000-yard runner. So in the last 10 seasons, the Falcons have only managed two 1,000-yard seasons for it. Will that change with Arthur Smith and the identity of this team as you look at transitioning away from Matt Ryan? And I've always said, until Matt and Julio and some of these guys leave, we're always going to be a pass-first offense. You don't have Matt Ryan to just turn and hand it off, especially Matt Ryan in years 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You don't have that kind of quarterback that's thrown for you know, 57,000 yards to just turn and hand it off. You have to run the football effectively, okay? I'm not discounting the run and its importance to the offense, but the idea of being a run-first team with Matt Ryan and Julio and guys like that and Ridley and all that just is not realistic. Just, it's not realistic. That's why Matt's averaged 600 pass attempts 
on average over the last four years, and he's had more than that in seasons before. But now it changes. Now, now there's a new identity and a new group of guys and quarterback, and it's a remake of the roster and things like that. What do we expect from some of these running backs? If we look at the guys that they have, obviously Cordero Patterson re-signed for a couple of years. He was their lead horse last year, but he was only 618 yards last year. Wasn't like he had, you know, 1,100 yards himself. Now, again, 618 on the ground, 548 in the air, 11 total touchdowns. I got no issue or problem with Cordero Patterson and finally got exploited in an offense and had some good results out of all of it. But it's a 618-yard running back. The other guys, Damian Williams that they brought in, he's 164 yards last year. Obviously, Tyler Algier is their draft pick out of BYU, led the country in rushing touchdowns last year, 15, 1,600 yards rushing in college. We'll talk about all that in a second. And then a couple of last guys, they brought back Kadri Allison and they brought back Caleb Huntry. A couple of guys who got chances that the Falcons obviously drafted Kadri Allison and Huntley was a guy who got a little bit of run toward the end of last year and did okay. But it still doesn't feel like we have our identity on offense and especially in the running game. Now, part of it is we don't have our offensive line fixed. Besides the fact of having Derrick Henry, the best running back in the NFL, the Titans also had one of the top four or five offensive lines in the NFL. When you've got Lawan and Conklin and all these guys, you know, your line was loaded in Tennessee. We don't have that here. We're Mayfield, Hennessy, McGarry. Now I've got two competent, you know, above average offensive linemen. I've got one barely hanging on to his right tackle spot and two guys that first and second year guys that are, you know, below average or in Mayfield's case, arguably the worst at his position in the league. Will that get better? Okay. Yes. He won't be the worst player. So if the bar is Jalen Mayfield won't be the worst interior offensive lineman in the NFL, will he be better this year? Yes. (laughs) Thanks. How'd you like to play Mrs. Lincoln? Um, but their offensive line isn't fixed yet. And they don't have that kind of bell cow back. Now, understand the NFL and how you run the football is a totally different thing than it's been. But it doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't have a very effective running back in your in your backfield. Yeah, you got some committee and things like that. But you still have a lot of teams that, that have their lead guy. Look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys have two very good running backs, but you still have Zeke leading the way, right? He's still the main dude that that's in there when he's healthy and all of that kind of stuff, but still that main guy that you turn to. I'm going to be curious to see sort of what their identity is moving away from Matt. I don't think you have a guy who's going to run for a thousand yards in your backfield. I think you have a bunch of guys that two things that they profile. One is you might have some guys who can help you get some short yardage. And two is some guys who can help you in the passing game. Patterson can help you in the passing game. Algier caught some passes uh, in college as well. I think you have some guys that can help in the passing game. What I want to see more than anything in the running back room is run the football effectively. You know, we're not going to be a team that's going to be able to line up on third and two like we've had to do a million times in the past line up in third and two, shotgun, five wide, empty backfield. We got to throw it around to get it. 
You don't have the quarterback. You don't have the personnel to be able to do those things. So the idea of running the football more effectively, you know, obviously trying to run it maybe more. And, and part of that is you have a quarterback who can also use his legs to, to help you out as well. But I'm going to be curious to see if anybody can emerge in the running back room. I like Allison. I hope he gets his shot. I hope he gets a real shot because at some point, you know, when you get talking about Allison, he's a draft pick from a few years ago. It's either time to crap or get off the pot, either time to start figuring some things out in the league or we got to move on. Okay. Williams is a guy that they're trying to resurrect, you know, his career. Some, what can he be? Algiers, a guy they drafted. Okay. Can he match some of his production in college to the NFL level? You've got some, you got some guys who can be physical with it, but I don't think we found that bell cow guy. I don't think we have our thousand yard running back. Now, one quick note to, to consider next year's draft is loaded with good running backs. Bijan Robinson could arguably be a top 10 pick in the, in the NFL draft next year, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans. There's all kinds of guys that are coming into the league next year. The running back class is much, much better. So we'll see what happens, but I think the offensive philosophy for, for this team is going to change, and I'm going to be curious to see if one of these running backs can emerge for the Falcons. All right, when we come back, I'm going to tell you a guy that supposedly is on the market, maybe linked to the Hawks. This seems like a no-brainer when I tell it to you. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, subscribe to our YouTube page. We are closing in on 1,000 subscribers, so we thank you so much for being part of our ever-growing community there. And I want you to follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. So as I like to say, in the, in the wrestling world, in the wrestling podcast world, we use the term rumor and innuendo. So a lot of that going around. There's a lot of speculation that in Utah that they're going to have to break up Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, that things have sort of plateaued and peaked and those guys may not necessarily get along with one another. Now, you can separate fact from fiction and figure all those kinds of things out. I'm not in Utah, don't know, don't care. I know what I read, though. There are rumors that the Hawks could be one of the teams that if Donovan Mitchell was to leave, there's some scuttlebutt that Donovan Mitchell would very much look at the Heat or the Hawks as a definite trade partner. Now, we're also hearing some things coming out of Utah that maybe they very much like DeAndre Hunter. So I, I propose this to you. If there is a chance, so you're saying there's a chance. If there's a chance to get Donovan Mitchell, it's a no-brainer to try to make that deal happen. And if that means you have to give up Bogey or Capella or Collins or Hunter, your first one at one or both of your first round picks or what have you, you do it. Now, the negatives about Donovan Mitchell, okay? One is we're talking about a guy that's about 6'1 or so. So you're going to partner him up with another guy in Trey Young who's whatever he is, you know, whatever size he is. A couple of guys who are going to be not much more above six foot six foot, excuse me. So you're going to have a couple of guys that are pretty small in your backcourt. Two, I understand defensively, okay? I understand he is not a good defender. In fact, his defensive rating is probably at or just slightly below even what 
Trey Young's uh, numbers are. And three is just the fact that he's been part of an organization that has some star power to it, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. Okay, I've got all of that. Now, the good stuff. Here's the positives. You're talking about a kid that's been in the league for five years, and he's been an all-star for three of those and a first uh, first team rookie in his rookie year. His career average is 24 points, four and a half assists. Now, the last two years, he's averaged basically 26 points in five assists. We go back to why the Hawks did not do well against Miami and what their struggle has been many times. Are they a good defensive team? Nope, not at all. Understand all of that. But what they don't have is a guy night in, night out to complement offensively Trey Young. Look, when they get it rolling, the Hawks, when they get Gallo and Bogey and Herder and beat my boop, my bop, and they get it all going, they're one of the best offensive teams in the league. They're one of the most efficient offensive teams in the league. But when you get into the playoffs, you know what's not in the NBA playoffs? Orlando on a Tuesday, the Detroit Pistons on a Thursday, the Sacramento Queens on a Saturday. You don't have those teams anymore. You don't get to load up on all the vagabonds and the, you know, the metagons of the world. You're playing the best of the best of the best of the best. And you saw in that Miami series, when Trey Young can't get it going, their offense just shut down. And you have to roll the dice and you you hope maybe Herder shoots well. Or you hope Hunter. You know, Hunter had a great final game against Miami. Cool. That was one game in the playoffs that he played really well. You know, Bogey had a really good game in their victory in the in the playoffs against Miami. Cool. What about the other four times when he was MIA for it? Mitchell is an elite scorer. He's a terrific three-point shooter. He's a big-time scorer. And if you put those guys in the backcourt, well, but we're going to need defensive help. All right, go get some defenders then. Round out your roster with some defenders. I'm talking about a three-time All-Star who is one of the elite scorers in the NBA for a franchise that's been pretty good. Can't get over the hump, but they've been pretty good. Maybe if I bring him over to the East and I put him with some other stars, maybe we, you know, find some magic in a bottle. But Donovan Mitchell, if you can get him, is a no-brainer. A no-brainer. Yeah, maybe doesn't have the size. Yeah, doesn't play defense. You know what? And I hate to say it this way. People don't like to hear this. I'll figure all that out. Because this is reality. And I want to make sure we, 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 we put this out there in the universe crystal clear to everybody, okay? You're not going to find great two-way players now. You know, there, there's there's not a whole bunch of great two-way players. Well, what about this guy? What about, okay, they have, again, it's a matter of who's available, who wants to sign, who's your dance partner? Well, what about Zach Levine, okay? Um, why would the Bulls give up Zach Levine? They have bird rights on them. They can give him more money than anybody. Why would they let go an elite score in the league when they've just turned the corner and their franchise is getting better? Why would they let that guy go? Well, what about the kid down in San Antonio? Okay, why would San Antonio get rid of their best player? You're trying to build something and build around a guy. So you're going to build around 
you're trying to build your team back up and you're going to take your best player, Murray, and ship him out? That makes no sense. Makes no sense. What about John Wall? Why would I want an aging point guard who, let's say if you trade for him, he's 48, 47, 48 million on the cap. Now, Mitchell is signed for a whole bunch of years. He's going to run you low, mid-30s for the next handful of years in his final year. Like in 2025, he's got a player option. So he's under contract, so he's not going anywhere. That's the other good thing about Donovan Mitchell. But you have to, again, we talked about this with the Kyrie Irving thing. I don't want Ben Simmons. I don't want Zion. I really don't want Rudy Gobert either. I don't want Carl Anthony Towns either. You have to look at who might be available, and you have to take some of the fleas with the dog. Yeah, it would be great. Let's go find a shooting guard who's offense and defense. There was one of those guys. His name was Michael Jordan. You know what? He ain't in the league anymore. I can look. Let me look around. See if Michael's anywhere around here. Nope, don't see him anywhere. He's not around anymore. There aren't a whole bunch of those great two-way players that change the formation of the game and, you know, make your team instantly top. LeBron ain't coming here. Giannis isn't coming here. Okay? There, there aren't all of those guys available. So you have to be realistic about scenarios that are available. And if you have the chance to get an elite player score like Donovan Mitchell, you take him. And I'll figure it out. Same thing with Kyrie. Take him and figure it out. Well, they don't play defense. Don't do okay. Well, who are you going to find that's going to score 26 a night for you? Okay. How many of those guys are? So I bring in a, an elite defensive player and he's a dozen points a night. What does that do for my offense come playoff time? When I'm back to, well, Trace trapped in the corner. I wonder who's going to score. Bogey for three. Oh, boy. Gallinari for, oh, boy. Herder for three. Oh, boy. They need another offensive piece. Not just about regular season. Yes, they have to, regular season, you have to focus. Okay, that's the big thing. Uh, you know, for the flaws and warts and everything like that, it's a matter of staying healthy and focusing. Now, I will say, it's another thing about Donovan Mitchell is if you start looking at his games played, he missed 15 games this year, only played 53 in the shortened schedule last year. So you bring him over and you got a mid-30s, you know, number to him. You're paying him $32, $35 million. Need him to stay healthy. Need him to be a 77-player guy. Same thing with Collins and things like that. So injuries certainly have hurt this team. But, brother, there ain't a whole bunch of 26-and-night guys running around in the league. There, there aren't a whole bunch of those guys that you can find right now that go out and just get buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets, especially for a team that needs help scoring in the playoffs. It's a no-brainer in my mind if you can get them. All right, when we come back, um, I'm going to make a simple lineup change, and I'm going to help you fix some things about this Braves team because it is frustrating and maddening right now. It's John Chuckery here on Hitting Hard. I'm Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta, reminding you head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta in your browser, and subscribe to that channel. Be that person that hits us over the 1,000 subscriber mark. We greatly appreciate everybody being a part of our community. It's awesome. We thank you so much in just a short amount of time, how quickly we are growing. And, of course, follow me on my Twitter page at JMCH316. Boy, it was a frustrating night at the ballpark last night as the Red Sox beat the Braves 
nine to four. It was a really bad inning that Kyle Wright had in the second inning where he gave up six runs, including the grand slam to Raphael Devers. And then at the end of the game, Thornburg comes into the ninth inning and he gives up three more after the Braves had gotten it to six to four. And it turns into a blowout nine to four. Now, again, the Braves last night were one for eight with runners in scoring position. Let me tell you who did their job, though. Travis Darno was two for four with a run and two RBIs. Now up to 309 on the season. Look at the guys in the middle of the order. Riley 0 for 3, Ozuna 0 for 2, Ozzie 0 for 4. Now, to Ozuna's credit, he did have a sack fly. He had a fielder's choice that he got an RBI on. Okay, but he's down to 210. Ozzie's at 223. Riley is one for his last 23 He's down to 237. Now, Snitker has shown in the past that he is willing to make some lineup changes and do what it needs to do to tweak the lineup. I'm going to give you a very quick and easy one to try to help you out right now. The one guy who is hitting above, you got all these goofy sabermetric, um, analytical, metrosexual numbers and stuff that people put out there, balls in play, hard hit ball, exit velocity. Okay, if you love all that kind of stuff, the one guy who's outperforming those numbers is Travis Darno. Go back to the pandemic here. Remember that lineup, Ronnie, Freddie, Ozuna, Darno. I'm going to make this real easy. Take Ozuna, drop him down on the order, put Darno in the cleanup spot. It's, it's time to put Darno hitting cleanup. I've seen enough right now of Marcelo Zuna kind of flailing away in this and the other that he needs to be moved out of your big run-producing spot. I don't know if that helps Riley, but I'm okay with hitting Riley third because in theory, he's supposed to be one of your better overall well-rounded hitters. He's going through a real struggle right now. One for 23, you know, here of late. But... I'm not moving Olsen around because I want him and Ronnie at the top of the order because of their on-base percentage. And you can't keep having opportunities come along and not capitalize on them. You know, one for eight here, an 0 for 11 here. You have to start getting guys across home plate. And if if you're knocking in guys on base when you're hitting cleanup, all that does is help the bottom of the order. Right. It's like one of those things that everything trickles down. If I'm getting real good production up here, guys down here are going to have an opportunity to see better pitches and make some moves down at the bottom of that order. It's not going to fix everything, but right now they need to put Travis Darno in the cleanup spot. Just literally swap Ozuna and Darno, put him in there, and let's see what happens because he's outperforming right now. He's over 300, he's hit there before. He's been your, you know, arguably best one or two run producers. And I know he can't play every day. And I understand that. And he's a catcher. But while he's in there and he's swinging a good bat, because you can always change the lineup again. I mean, we've seen that before, too. You can always change the lineup again. But while he's hitting well, you have to take advantage of it. Because Ozuna is having a ton of struggles right now. And we've talked about, you know, really since the start of last year, you know, he had that one little good stretch at the start of the year. Got off to a decent start, but has just kind of fallen off a cliff. And look, again, 
Maybe it's a day off here, day off there. I do think last night you saw Ronald Acuna Jr. Man, he was running everywhere, stealing a base, running the bases. But he had two fly balls that he had to run to the one to the back wall, one to the foul wall. I mean, he was running a lot. You could kind of see, you know, they came and checked on him last night at first base. You could see him stretching out his leg a little bit. I think today, personally, I'm I'm either I'm gonna be I'm gonna be amazed if he's out playing right field. I think either if they won his bat in the lineup, he'll DH today, or he may not play at all today. So you want to rest Ozuna? Cool. Move Ronnie to the DH spot. DH spot, excuse me. Put Demerit or Arcia or whatever you know, whatever whatever guys you got or whatever like that, and and trot those guys out there. But Darno needs to hit cleanup, and they need to change it around now and take advantage of it while Darno is swinging a good bat and this, that, and the other. Because you can't keep leaving runners on base. They're an awful team with runners in scoring position. And that's been one of the big bugaboos. Yeah, they walk way too many guys as far as their pitching goes. But if you look at their numbers with runners in scoring position and look at their numbers with guys on third base, you know, coming into the weekend, they were, you know, like 192 with guys on third base. You have to take advantage of that. And I, and I know it's a deep lineup and it's really good and it may be the best lineup in the National League. I'm with you on all that. But right now you're not hitting like the best lineup in the National League. And you have a manager that has in the past had no problem making moves. It's not too early to start tweaking your batting order some. Because again, you should have beat the Red Sox last night. Red Sox are not a good team. They have no business coming in and putting nine runs up on your field. They're not a good team. They're in last place. They were 10 and 19 coming into this. They'd lost, I think, three in a row coming in. They're one of the worst teams in the American League. You got to beat those guys twice on your home field. You have to start beating bad teams. We talk about the good teams, talk about Milwaukee and the Padres, and say, but you got to beat the bad teams. That's how you get over the top and how you get your division and stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's just frustrating to watch this team flail away at times and just not be able to figure some things out. So it seems simple. Doesn't seem like it's a, a big deal or anything like that, but you got to hit Darno cleanup. And by the way, the Mets won last night. Hell, they should have won. Somehow Patrick Corbin found youth, but Patrick Corbin was 0 for 0 and 5 with a 716 ERA coming that game. The Mets aren't going to probably lose a whole lot to the Nationals. And then they got to play the Mariners who stink. Braves get through this two-game set with Boston. You got Padres and then on the road to Milwaukee. It doesn't get any easier. So while you have these games, you have to take advantage of them. We can't keep saying, well, it's early, it's early. Because every time we keep saying it's early, the Braves tack off a few more things. So let's experiment with it. Snicker has done this in the past. He's done it before. Darno's hit there before. Okay? I I'm not for changing up the very top of the order. You keep Ronnie, Olsen, Riley at the very top of your order. I'm not going to change those three. Even with Riley's struggles right now, I have to get him to learn how to get out of that funk zone. But I can improve one of my high-caliber, premium RBI run spots at cleanup, and I've got to either move Ozuna down or I've got to sit him for a little bit. But I'm telling you, today, if I'm snit, I put – Ozuna probably out for today. Let Ronnie DH if he can go. And I put Darno right in that cleanup spot. And let's see what happens. 
Of course, again, I understand catcher. You never know when Darno was going to play or not play. Oh, it's all frustrating right now with the Braves. It, it's just trying to find some good news. All right. We thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I want you to head over to youtube.com again. Jump on and be a subscriber to our YouTube page, just about at a thousand subscribers. So we're super excited about that. Literally just a month into this. We hope you're enjoying. Leave us a comment, by the way. Tell us what you think. Give us some feedback uh, on the shows and the episodes that we're doing. Give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. And we always thank you for making Hitting Hard as your first listen. Don't forget, I want you to make ATL Day 1's your second listen of the day. Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste talking about the heart of the city of Atlanta. They're going to talk Hawks. They're going to talk Falcons, Braves, Bulldogs, Hell, they might do some HBCU, a lot of different stuff, a lot of good stuff in the conversation that they get into. Just a couple of friends uh, talking uh, sports. It's ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. You can find it free and available on YouTube as part of our channel and on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We will be back on Thursday as it is NFL schedule release day. Ooh. Thanks for listening. And it's Hitting Hard with John Chuckry on Locked On Sports Atlanta. 